0: Well, good morning, church. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. How many of you love magic? How many magic fans out there? I grew up as a kid, and I always loved magic. And I remember being a part of Iwana, we'd always have magicians come in. It's something that has always just intrigued me. Of how somebody can make something that seems impossible just happen right in front of your eyes. I don't know if you guys know, but I actually am a uh, magician. How many of you like to see a magic trick this morning? (laughs) Three of you. (laughs) Some of you are like, what is going on here? So I have this magic coloring book. You guys ever seen this? You ever done this? You guys are going to help color this book. But first of all, we have to understand that as we look through this, it's, it's blank. And so we need some animals to color here. So here's, I'm gonna need your help. I know it may seem awkward, but everybody needs to participate here. Okay, you ready? I want you to think of an animal. Okay, get an animal in your head. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask everybody to just just say that animal in in the count of three. You guys ready? So you guys gotta help me here. Otherwise, this is gonna be very awkward and very (laughs) disappointing for me, okay? On the count of three, say an animal. One, two, three. All right, let's see if you guys have done your work. Look at that. You guys got some animals in here. Very good. Well, the next step now is we need some color to it. Nobody wants a blank, black and white coloring book. We need some color. So now I need you to think of a color. Okay, think of a color. On the count of three, I want you to name that color out loud. And let's see if we can do this. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. All right, let's see what we got here see if you did it look at that you guys have colored the coloring book now one more thing how many of you would like to see the animals pop up like a pop-up book you want to see that i need i need one volunteer one kid volunteer oh lily thank you (laughs) lily come on up here come on up here lily let's give lily a hand So this is going to take the power of one person to just... Okay, so you guys know a magician. What's a magician's magic words? Abracadabra. So I want you to say abracadabra, and I want you to hit the book, okay? Okay. Abracadabra. Okay, you guys ready? Let's see if she was able to make the animals pop up. Let's see. Oh, you broke it! It's no good. Go have a seat. You broke it. (laughs) Sorry, I guess we're not going to be able to see the animals pop up here. But let's give Lily a hand anyway. Magic has this way of amazing us, doesn't it? You just look at something, you're, what just happened? What just happened? Well, we're actually going to encounter a magician in the Bible. One who had great power, great influence over the people in his life. They were captivated by what he was able to do. But the reality is, it does not compare to the amazing power of the good news of Jesus Christ, amen? And so let's look in God's word today. Let's be amazed at what God has done for us. Acts eight, follow with me as I start reading in verse nine. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. Now, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the reminder of this morning of your amazing grace, Lord. That we were lost, God. We were separated from you because of our sin. But you've made a way through the sacrifice of Christ who did not stay in the grave but defeated it and now sits at your right hand who intercedes on our behalf, Lord. Thank you for the good news, Lord. Let us be far more amazed at the good news than anything else that could ever come our way. Lord, may our hearts be captivated by what is true, not what appeals to the eye, but what changes the heart. God, would you speak to us this morning, Lord? Would you help us to see with clarity the beauty of your word? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, this is what I want to talk about here. I'm not sure what just happened there. The amazing, great, and free good news. The amazing, great, and free good news. So we've been working our way through the book of Acts. And we have seen the good news of Jesus spread through Jerusalem and now into Samaria. But it's not something that's come easy, has it? A couple weeks ago, we looked at the persecution and ultimate stoning and death of Stephen, who gave his life because he stood up against the religious leaders and preached the gospel and refused to give up doing that. And it was through that that it led to great persecution that had sprung forth in Jerusalem, and the believers in Jerusalem scattered into Samaria. But with the scattering came the good news to Samaria. And the fruit just went on and on. And this morning, we're going to spend our time talking about the amazing, great, and free good news. And the first thing is this. Nothing is more amazing than the good news of Jesus Nothing is more amazing than the good news of Jesus. Look again at verse 9. But there was a, a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed, Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. And so there's a new man on the scene here that we haven't encountered yet his name is Simon this is not to be confused with maybe who you know Peter as as you know Peter's name was also Simon Simon would have been a very common name but this was a different guy and this was a a man who was a magician and he was very good at it as you see in fact he was so good that he was looked at as a God figure the people just about worshipped him for what he could do And this was happening for a very long time. Their hearts were captivated by what he was doing. The hearts of the Samaritans, they were hooked on him. But with the persecution that had taken place in Jerusalem, Philip has made his way into Samaria in order to do what? To preach the gospel, right? Persecution came, God used it for good, and Philip now is proclaiming the gospel to the Samaritans. God was completely sovereign over what was taking place. Despite all the negativity, the gospel comes. And listen to how the Samaritans respond to Philip's preaching. Verse 12, they were baptized, both men and women. They f- decided that this Jesus whom Philip was proclaiming was true and was worthy of our sacrifice, of our lives, to give our lives to him, to Relate with Christ through baptism. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in baptism, but I do want to acknowledge something. They got saved. They came to Christ. They repented of their sin. And what did they do? They got baptized. And so my encouragement to you, if if you have given your life to Jesus and you have not yet been baptized, let me encourage you. What's... What's keeping you from following in obedience to what Christ has called us to? Christ has called us to identify with him through baptism. And if you haven't been baptized yet, I'd love to talk to you today about setting that up. I know we have one guy uh, who's looking to be baptized, and we'd love to have more to be able to set that up very soon. Baptism is an important step for us to take. But with this good news, there's nothing more amazing than the good news of Jesus For who knows how long the people were following Simon and his magic, but here they encountered the true good news, true amazement over something that was real, not a trick, not a sleight of hand. This was something that was real. And despite all of the years that they had followed Simon, their hearts were engaged with this Jesus whom Philip proclaimed. The good news was so amazing that even Simon, who had spent his life amazing others, was now himself captivated by what was going on, except this was no trick. And here's what you need to know about magic first of all, it's not really magic, is it? It's, it's an illusion. How many of you would like to learn the secret of the coloring book? Too bad, a magician never shares his secrets. But the truth is if you ever follow tricks and then you go online and you purchase those tricks and you get them like I've I've bought in a few and every time it's like oh really? <laughs> like that's it? That's what we're talking about? The magic is not in the magic itself it's in the way the magician is able to keep your vision away from what's really going on. That's where the magic is. That's not really magic. That's not really true. But you look at the good news of Jesus and what we see are lives that are radically transformed from death to life. So what is it that makes the good news so amazing? Think on this. Despite God's holiness and our sinfulness, we can still be part of the kingdom of God. Think about that. Despite God's holiness, holiness is this separation from all things. God is separated from all mankind. He's separated from all creation. He's absolutely perfect. There is no flaw in Him. And that makes a major problem for us because we are all born sinful. Because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, we are all born with this terminal illness called sin that will take all of our lives from us. And you cannot have something that is perfect mixed with something that is imperfect. We cannot come into God's presence in our state. And so, that in God's great mercy is why He sent His Son Jesus, who was born like we were born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect life, he was tempted in every way, yet he was without sin and only a perfect sacrifice, only a perfect substitute would be worthy to allow sinners to come into the presence of God. And so through our repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, we are made clean. We are washed clean. And it's almost as if we have never sinned because when God looks at believers in Christ, he sees his son, his perfect son. Is that good news this morning for you? No longer do we need to strive for salvation the law was not given for us to follow in order to earn God's favor with, God, with him. The law was given to show our sinfulness that it is impossible for us to stay 100% perfect in following the ways of God. And that is why Jesus came. Brothers and sisters, that is the best news for us this morning. And this is so important for us as we talk with unbelievers in our lives. The first thing that needs to happen is for God to take the blinders off so that they can see their brokenness and sinfulness before God. Have you ever encountered someone who is sorrowful over something they've done? Have you ever met somebody who's not a believer but they're broken over how much they fail. That is an open door, brothers and sisters, to share Jesus and say, guess what? We're all in the same boat. We have all fallen short of God's glory. The, The ground is level at the cross. There are not people who are more worthy, who are closer to Jesus because of the way they live. No, we are all completely depraved. We are all separated from God, from our sin. But the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to save any sinner. Nothing is more amazing than the good news of Jesus. Look at verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So here we have a very interesting scenario. The Samaritans had received the word of God that was preached to them. The apostles who were in Jerusalem, they heard about what was happening, so they sent Peter and John to check out, wait, what's going on in Samaria? What's going on with the Samaritans? And the reason that why they went is so that they could pray over them so that they might receive the Holy Spirit now, for us today, upon our conversion, we receive the Holy Spirit right away and so, why the delay here? Does that not pique your interest? It was like why, why didn 't they receive the Holy Spirit right away that doesn 't make sense. Well, first of all, we have to understand that this was the very beginning of the church, and the new covenant was just taking place in the sacrifice of Christ that that we are right with God, not by anything we can do by following the law. We're only right by God because of what Jesus has done. And so through our repentance and faith in Christ is where we find salvation. And so this whole thing is new. And, and so why? Why did they not receive the Holy Spirit right away? Well, to be honest, we don't really know exactly why this is the case. But we can kind of decipher some things as we think through the process here we can certainly see how the waiting could actually benefit the early church. So, so think about this. Would the apostles have gone to Samaria if not for this situation? If not what was going on, would the apostles have been there at all? And what could have been the thoughts of the mind of the Jews if they heard what was going on? So we've talked about this before, but what we need to understand is that the Jews and the Samaritans were not buddies. Remember talking about that? They weren't friends The Samaritans were Jews that had uh, married with other different nations. And so the Jews, the pure Jews, despised the Samaritans. And they despised them so much that if they had to travel somewhere and the quickest route was to go through Samaria, they would actually choose to go the longer way and go around it. They despised the Samaritans. They looked at them as less than Gentiles, really almost less than humans. And so... For the Jews to hear that salvation had come to the Samaritans would have been a mockery for some of them. Like, how could God save the Samaritans? Are you kidding me? These people? But there was great respect for the apostles in the early church. The apostles were greatly respected by them. And so they're hearing about the good news and they're wanting to go check it out. And so they go, and they hear what has happened, and they see a genuine change. And the only thing that's missing is the Holy Spirit. And so they pray over them, and then they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what do you think the weight of that testimony is going to be when the apostles come and say, Brothers and sisters, it's true. God has saved the Samaritans. They would have been a great weight for the people to know this was really true what had taken place. So I don't know if that's the exact reason why, but certainly we can understand that that would have been super helpful for the Jews especially to know that salvation is for all people. And this is what we take away ultimately from all of this, is that with the good news, I'm not sure what's going on here. These, uh, these slides are jumping all over the place, but I will say this anyway. With the good news comes a great helper. With the good News comes a great helper. So yes, they did come. They did receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, life is hard in the world, isn't it? I mean, you think of what the Joneses have had to experience uh, with Mark. And uh, you know, I don't know how severe things were, but it was pretty scary to hear some of the details. Uh, how do people handle life? When trials and tribulations come our way apart from God's help. That's exactly why it's such good news to know that God has sent us his Holy Spirit who dwells within the believers. To encourage us when we are faint hearted. To exhort us, to admonish us when we are starting to go astray. When we're idle, when we're not pursuing the ways of the Lord. What a gift of the Holy Spirit that he's given us that keeps us on the straight and narrow path. That is good news for us. Amazing news that he does not leave us on our note, on our own, but he has given us a great helper. Praise God for his spirit. It, it's hard enough to go through life with the spirits, let alone without. I can't imagine. We need somebody to carry us when we can't walk, when Really, were dead. I remember in college, uh, I went to Grace College, and our dorm was on Winona Lake, and it was January, so it was right at the beginning of a semester. And uh, we just decided to shovel some snow off the lake. The lake had been frozen over, and we were just running and sliding on it, doing stupid things like college students do. And uh, the night before uh, this incident happened, I went out with water and poured it over the lake to make it more slick. And so as soon as class was out the next day, I I go running on the lake and I'm running and I'm sliding and the next thing you know, my foot catches, but the rest of my body keeps turning and snap. I don't know if I heard a pop or felt a pop or both, but I broke my ankle and I had ligament damage and I had to have three surgeries, a plate and six screws put in it, but when that happened, I was incapable of walking. And here I am, stranded out on this frozen lake, no possible way for me to even crawl. And I was, I was utterly hopeless. But praise, the, praise God, there were people in the dorm who were able to hear my <laughs> screams for help. And they came to rescue me. But that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is for us. Like we are incapable of this walk with the Lord on our own incapable to do it in our own strength, but that's why God sends his spirit to us to remind us of his promises, to encourage us, to convict us. If you are a believer in Christ this morning, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And we read in the scriptures that his Holy Spirit is a down payment. It's a a promise that he's coming back for us. And so that brings the question Do you see the Holy Spirit's work in your life? Not that we're walking in perfection, but do you see growth? Do you sense the Spirit when you are being a bonehead, like I can be sometimes? Do you see the work of the Spirit interceding and convicting you and drawing you near? I love promises like Philippians 1.6 that say, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's what a spirit does. It completes the work that has been begun in us and carries us to it. What great news it is that indeed we have the spirit, our helper, the one who will carry us to eternity. Look at verse 18. of yours, and pray to the Lord that if possible the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Here's the last thing we see about the good news. The good news cannot be purchased. The good news cannot be be purchased. Simon's back on the scene on front, on front stage here, center stage. The apostles prayed over the Samaritans and they received the Holy Spirit. Clearly, there was evidence of a life change. There were miraculous things that had taken place in the lives of the Samaritans and Simon has taken notice. And he's experienced what magic can bring to his pocketbook and the money signs are flashing before his eyes. And how can, I, how can I make out with this? And he wants the same power as the apostles have. And so he asked them how much it will cost to get this power. Now, that might seem like a good thing. I mean, I mean how many people want others to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them? I mean, we want that. But Peter isn't concerned With the lives of others, he's concerned about his own pocketbook. And these are some pretty condemning words that Peter has for Simon. Verse 20, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Simon was a foolish man who thought he could purchase the good news. That somehow God could be bought. But, brothers and sisters, salvation cannot be bought. And the sad part about all of this is that we don't really know what happened to Simon. From everything we can see here, we don't hear of him again. There was, not very, there was never true repentance. Yes, he was captivated by what he saw. He liked the, what he thought was a magic trick that was taking place. But to him, he was all focused on business. He wasn't concerned about what God could do in his heart he was concerned about what god could do in his bank accounts and if you've heard one thing at this church you've heard this we are saved by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone apart from works apart from being able to purchase it salvation is a free gift from god and it's a major offense to think that somehow we can earn or buy God's favor. It would be like somebody knocking on your door today. You get home, take a nice nap after lunch. Somebody says, hey, somebody you know, hey, I love you so much. I care about you. And so I I bought this brand new car for you. And so here it is. Imagine if then the next time you see him, you pull out an envelope and you say, man, thank you so much for that car. What a blessing. Here's, Here's 100 bucks. And I'm going to keep giving you 100 bucks till I can pay you back for that car. Would that not completely be offensive to this person who just out of the gratefulness of his heart just wanted to give you a gift? It's a slap in the face to somebody who says, I want to bless you. Well, let me pay you back for that. And here's the truth though. We can't pay God back for what he's done for us. We can't take away the sin that we've committed. We are already too far gone in and of ourselves. We were done before we started. We can't buy our salvation. And brothers and sisters, isn't it really good news that we can't? Think of it this way. If that was the case, if we could somehow purchase our salvation, then how would we know how much is enough? And if we had to do enough good things, where is the line that determines that we've made it? Like, how do we know how much we're to do? And then if we feel like we have done done enough to earn that, but then we mess up one day, we have a big screw up, then how do we know if we have not lost it and now we need to go go back and, and do enough to make God love us some more? That's a horrible way to live, is it not? How defeating is that to never know where we stand with God? But when we treat God that way, when we treat our relationship with him as if we can't come to him, as if we need to be saved all over again because we've messed up, what we're saying is that the the sacrifice of Christ was not enough. That's why it's such a mockery to try to buy salvation. We can't do it. It's a free gift. And the truth is, it's far greater that it is that way. Think of it this way, too. What if you are nailing it? What if you're just crushing the Christian life? This week, you just go out. You're leading people to Christ. You are being kind to your kids and to your wife. What can happen in your own heart then? Pride, right. Boastfulness. Humility is out the door. Somehow we think it's up to us. Scriptures are very clear. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. But by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Why? So that no one can boast. There's no room for boasting. Here's the thing when we are nailing it, and listen, as believers, we have days when we're nailing it. It's okay to say that, but here's the thing why are we nailing it? <laughs> it's because of the Spirit at work in us. He's not left us on our own. As we've talked about already, He gave us a great helper. Through His Spirit, and so when we understand that, when we understand God's amazing grace, that oh, sinful man could be brought into the presence of Holy God, that should leave us stunned. That a Holy God would do that, and then not only that, we're still a mess after salvation, and He gives us His Helper. Who doesn't abandon us when we still screw up after salvation. He still stays with us. And this is all to remind us that brothers and sisters. You can't earn your salvation. And let me just say stop trying to. Stop thinking that you have to have it all together. In order to come before God. God says you don't have it all together. So come to me. My son has done it all for you. When you are weak, I am strong. Christians, there truly is nothing more amazing than the good news of Jesus Christ. God is holy and we are not. Yet he made a way by the blood of Jesus. Isn't that amazing news? And not only that, with this amazing news comes a great help. God doesn't rescue us and then say, It's up to you from here. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And the good news is good news because it can't be bought. If it can't be bought, then it can't be lost. You don't have to wonder if you're good enough. You don't have to wonder if that sin that you committed recently will take away your salvation. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Let's pray. Lord, as I ponder... your holiness, your perfection. Especially in light of my sinfulness. Especially in light of the idolatry that I allow in my life from time to time. And the fact that you don't abandon me. God, may that lead us amazed. May your grace never grow familiar with us, Lord. May we not be overly surprised by your grace, but let us be continually amazed. But Lord, I, as I've gotten older, I, I can't get away from the surprising grace that you give us. Thank you for the free gift that can't be earned. And Lord, thank you that you've not left us on our own, Lord. You've given us a helper. I pray for those, maybe there are some here who are saved, but they're not seeing a whole lot of work in the Holy Spirit because they're not trusting, they're not listening, they're not in your word, understanding your promises so that the Holy Spirit can remind us of your promises. Lord, would you you convict where you need to convict? Lord, for those who are striving for acceptance from you, who are waiting to come back to you when they get everything right, Lord, would you bring a fresh reminder of your grace, Lord. Your mercy has rescued us. We thank you for the free gift of salvation, Lord. Thank you for your amazing grace. May you just continually draw us near to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.